Episode 305, The Rant, Nick Sakitis, the Portland School boys basketball head coach and Heat Elite program head. Countless kids have been helped by one Coach Sakitis. In this pod, we discuss his early life in Queens, his love of basketball, how he founded the Seifert Heat for his kids to play, to his big announcement for his big give back for high school basketball in New York State. All that and more, my conversation with Coach Nick, now. The Rant has been brought to you by Geo Studios, now open. They are located one block south of Westbury Train Station in the heart of Long Island, New York. Looking to bring your art or event to life? Trying to record a podcast? Enjoy six rooms of studio space to create audio and visual content. It also includes an 800-square-foot cyclorama wall studio, a state-of-the-art recording studio, three breakout rooms for four to six people each, which include a green room and lounges, a quality surround sound with six speakers and studio lighting, and most importantly, two on-site restrooms. You know I need my restrooms. Book your space today. For more information, find us at geoevents.com. The Rant has been brought to you by The Irrefutable Magazine. Co-editor in design Kevin Sparrick and co-editor at large Ralph Fernolis decided to combine both of their talents in writing and illustrations to bring to you a new online experience from an official's perspective. They both ref, but it's deeper than officiating. They create art for all time. Do you think your brand would be a good fit for The Irrefutable Magazine audience? Want to advertise with us? Visit us at theirrefutable.com slash sponsors for more information. We are the irrefutable. Welcome to another edition of The Rant. I'm your host, Ralph the Ref. I'm with a super special guest live at Portledge. What's it called? The Portledge School? What's the, what's the Portledge School? That's right. Yeah, we're at the Portledge School. We are with the head coach of the boys varsity basketball team and also um, the creator, the, the, the founder, the CEO, and the head coach of uh, Heat Elite, formerly Seaford Heat. Right. Mr. Nick Sakitas, how are you, my friend? Doing well. How are you doing? Truth be told, we did this over the summer, which was like a completely different world because that was when everything was stuck. So I got to the point where I was like, damn, this is kind of like dated. So I'm happy to have you and I'm happy to see you in person. I just had him in a game. I always wanted to ask you, why do you always say this line? Why do you always tell me, don't ref where the score is? You know, it's hard for me and you, right? Because you're always staring at the damn scoreboard. Oh, I'm not. I'm staring at the situation. I'm, I'm, I'm up 30, and you called one team foul against the other team and oh nine against God. us. Oh, my God. Why does it have to be about you, though? It's not about me. It's about the kids. It's the game. You know, we don't work, We don't have the scoreboard. We have the court. <laughs> so we, we joked about last time when we did have the unpublished podcast about, you know, just being at Island Garden, those beats. And, you know, I, I wanted to ask you because, you know, when you think about New York State, Everything was so unequal, especially like when I think about Lujai, right? A team like Lujai, they have a nationally ranked schedule. Most of those teams that are nationally ranked are on their senior night now, right? So it's like you can't – there's no way you can play a team that is on November time versus a team that's on March time. But at that time when we spoke, and it was around like right before Memorial Day, was when everything was shut down, and then things started opening up across the country. And I know that you went on a little world tour – and yeah, trying to find yeah. games. What was that experience like just going to Spooky Nook in Indianapolis and Florida and all those other places? You know, I feel uh, it was detrimental for the kids to get out of these small apartments in the city, getting stuck. Mentally, I thought it would be worse for them than actually catching COVID. I'm no doctor by any means, but, you know, it was about the kids. And 
I thought the experience was worth it, and I thought the chance was worth it. We tested the kids prior to leaving. We tested coming back. We were spraying cars with electrostatic foggers, spraying hotel rooms, taking every precaution under the sun, and uh, inevitably, the best part of it was the camaraderie and, uh, more importantly, playing some of the best teams in the country while no one in New York was playing. So I got to meet a lot of new players that weren't involved in my program that uh, came down to play with us, and uh, it was a great experience. Mm. Now, the other thing that I wanted to speak on, normally in those summers, you would have Jomani Wright, right? And obviously, rest in peace would just happen with him. And, you know, ironically, when they did realize and say that high-risk sports is going to open up, I remember in Newsday, he was on the front page talking about that he's going to play winter sports. And then, you know, we all know what happened, the tragedy. What, what are your, your best memories with him? And, and you know, what do you, what do you think about what happened? You know, I, I challenged that young man at every turn. And you can't do this and you can't do that. And he proved me wrong every time. He played with us because reality is no one else was playing. Mm. I think I learned more from him off the court than on the court. Everybody knew him to be a great basketball player, but no one knew him as a person, and it devastated the, all the kids. I mean, there are videos of him in rooms dancing with the younger kids, you know, during games, literally taking kids off to the side, hugging them, telling them what they were doing wrong. I mean, Jojo was great, but don't forget, we also had kids like T.J. Morris and Zaire, and he'd grab them and say, hey, get your head on straight. He was just a natural leader. And my favorite part of that young man, I'll never forget it, is his electric smile. You know, that's why it was so devastating to the program outside of basketball. You know, it's never easy using, losing a young man, but losing a young man with the promise that he had was, wow, devastating. L- literally every challenge. You can't dunk a ball. $100, Jojo. He dunked the ball. It took my 100 I'm telling you right <laughs> yeah. now. Everything that he said he could do, he did. And I, I can play 17U. I go, do you know who's on my team? He played 17U, and he did it right. I mean, video don't lie. He, he could do it all. No, yeah. My experience, too, just aside from doing Heat Elite games uh, locally, I just remember I did a game. He was in eighth grade. And he scored 36 points. And I had to ask Coach D, like, what grade is he in? And I'm thinking he's in 10th grade, 11th grade. He's like, no, he's a, he goes to the middle school. And I went, wow. You know, and you could tell that he was wise beyond his years because he had that brunt of being a leader. You could see it in his face. Not only a leader, but you want to talk about loyal soldier, and I'm certain Uniondale don't want to hear it, but I try to recruit that boy every day. Every day. Come to Portland. Come to Portland. And he goes, now I got unfinished business to do at Uniondale. Mm. He literally was loyal to the bone. Mm. And you got to admire that fact, you know. I said, you know, I'm, I'm retiring two bodies this year. You know, come on in. He goes, I got unfinished business, but... If I was going to go anywhere, I'd come to you, but I got unfinished business. So he was, like I said, a, a man amongst men and a, a boy amongst boys. You know, he was very good, very loyal to his teammates, to his school, uh, his grades. You want to build a, a program around someone like that. You know, we could all brag, oh, I have this kid and I have that kid. But he was the full package, off the court, on the court, in school, you name it. Yeah, we're going to miss him, and you know this is always going to be dedicated to somebody like that, especially the people that he touched, including me and you. There was a little breaking news that we did blow out there. We started a scholarship fund, uh, $2,500 every single year in his name. You don't have to play for my program to apply for it. It's going to be put on Instagram. No names. We're going to take. We're going to have a topic, and we're going to have uh, no name on top. His parents and another board member pick the best essay and. They're going to be awarded a $2,500 JoJo Wright scholarship. Have wow. to be a senior and a basketball player. How can we anybody get more information on how to apply for that? Hopefully you'll be posting it all over Instagram. Oh, right, 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 right. Got you, got you. Now, just during this whole time, and, you know, I think about this whole, 
I don't know. It's just been so weird. Like, it's surreal. So we just did a game right now. This was my first boys game of the season, and I had to remember what the pace was like and what, what, what I just had to mentally prepare myself to get in battle. You know, going back to March when the sky was falling, right? We were in the middle of, you know, playoffs and all that. First, I want to ask you, how were you holding up with this whole coronavirus? How's your family? And when was the moment going back a year ago? When was the moment that you took this really serious? It was a little bit different for me because uh, I stepped in, uh, if you will. I'm an investment banker by trade, but I always have a, I always had a small little maintenance company on the side. So when COVID hit, I was one of the few companies around and available to actually service schools, hospitals. So uh, we were up and running, very busy, you know, electrostatic fogging, steaming. You know, we knew what to do. We knew how to set up for social distancing and how to set up facilities. So I got really busy. And uh, without basketball I, in my life, you know, I got back to making money. So that was a good feeling. <laughs> so that, that never hurt. But, uh, you know, the hard part was for me is, as you know, I have a lot of boys that, you know, come and go. Some mm-hmm. boys have been with me for years. Yep. But my wife being a nurse and I'm doing COVID, everybody went back home. So... Only recently have the boys started coming back to the house, and, you know, that, that hurt. I didn't take it serious enough, to be totally honest with you. And the reason I say that is, like I said, I'm cleaning it every day, and my wife is seeing patients every day. And I'm like, that's not a big deal. I'm traveling. And then I remember the day because my daughter comes home. She goes, well, two people got COVID today, Donald Trump and myself. I go, well, at least I like one of you. So... Uh, <laughs> You know, we separated my daughter. My wife ended up catching it. She had it for two, three days. My wife had it for two, three days. All of a sudden, I get it. I can't breathe. I was sick for a month. I'm in the hospital. I thought I was dead. I had my lawyer and the priest in the hospital. It was, you know, scary times. That's why, that's why I started taking it real serious. You know, I thought my, my days were numbered. Mm. So I actually take even more precaution now, even though I had it. And, uh, you know, likelihood of catching it again is low. It was scary. It really was. You know, for me, it was... A realization, you know, you're not invincible. And that's what I see a lot of kids in the city, especially, you know, they're like, oh, let us play, let us do this. So I understand the politics of the game, why they didn't want us playing. And I, I understand it better now because I was the one that was going the way on tournaments, traveling. And I took the precautions. And would I do it again? Hell yeah, I would. But I would probably do things even more cautiously mm. now. Yeah. And I, I even remember just having one of these late night conversations with you. Maybe it was like 11 o'clock when you were like, you're always trying to figure out a way that we can play. And you're like, no, it'll be open by August. And I'm like, there's no way. And at that moment, I was just like so far away from that. What was it like when you first started realizing like, okay, maybe we can go to Indianapolis this, this weekend and play? Like, what was that like for you? Well, we, we actually did do that. Was, <laughs> <laughs> we got up, we got in the plane. I, again, for business, I, I never stopped flying. Uh, I thought the airlines did a great job. But... Uh, Personally, it was a hell of an experience, especially the Indianapolis tournament. You know, everybody says, oh, you know, this guy's full of himself. He thinks his team is this good. And yeah, I am full of myself. I think my team is that good. But then you go out to Indianapolis and you're seeing some of the best EYBL teams. You know, we did really well, three and one. But we got our butt kicks one game by a good 25. And you just realize what talent's out there. So, you know, I tip my hat to, you know, the other larger organizations. But like I always say, no sneaker money, you know. Uh, we self-fund, and we compete with the best. So it was a hell of an experience, and I really do promote it. And a lot of times people make fun of AAU teams going to play in local tournaments, and, yeah, you blow teams out, you think you're a lot better. But then you go to those big-time tournaments, and you see what's out there. You're like, okay, there's some real talent out there. And it's a great awakening for the kids. 
like I said, Zaire is one of the best. JoJo is one of the best. TJ Morris, uh, right now, I think he's playing uh, at a prep school. You know, one time I even had uh, Jordan Riley come down and play with us. And you know, you're playing against kids, you're like, wow, he's just as good as every one of my guys. He may be even better. Not than Jordan Riley. I'll, I'll take that one. Jordan Riley's a frog. <laughs> yeah. He is a frog, absolute well, frog. He played with me in sixth grade up to like the seventh and a half grade, we'll say. You know, love his dad. You know, we uh, love to battle. He may be the only guy a little crazier than I am. <laughs> this whole time, now we're like 12 months, 13 months into it. What do you think you learned about yourself during this whole time? I'm going to say I learned that I'm blessed because I see what I have in life and I take it for granted. And I don't think I'll ever take it for granted again. And I'm never going to die rich in money, but I'm going to die rich in love. And you just realize how much you care for people. And I, the last draw was JoJo, I'm not going to lie. I'm not, I don't handle death very well. Uh, my wife says I have no heart. She's never seen me shed a tear. But that one hit me hard, and you never know. You never know. So uh, I think I learned to be blessed and uh, not to take anything for granted. And that's why uh, I'm sure you're going to come to it. I'm going to be doing something pretty big in the next couple of days. Yeah, and are we going to we going to talk about that? Are we going to divulge that a little later, or what? We'll talk. Uh, we'll talk about when when you're ready. You can bring it up. Oh yeah, okay. Okay, we'll, we'll go to the beach. But, but that's what brought me to the head. Got you, got you. Yeah, these are like really a confluence of different circumstances. But you know, you mentioned that during this whole time of pause, you were able to double down on on your real business. Your you know all the things that you normally do, and you know obviously you are maniacal when it comes to basketball. You know, when I think about basketball, I know so many times when I just go to Island Garden, I'm like, damn, Nick's here. And I'm talking about early on when I didn't really know nothing and nothing. But, you know, you obviously have that passion for basketball. You know, I want to ask you, uh, where did you grow up? What did you play growing up? What did you play in middle school, high school, and in college? Well, first, if it was a basketball and church, I'd probably be in jail. <laughs> so let's get that out of the way. I, I, you know, being Greek, we didn't have CYO. We had the Greek right. Orthodox Youth Association. We had our Goya League. And uh, that's where my passion started. You had to go to church to play basketball. So I was at church, played basketball. I went to par parochial school up till ninth grade. And then my mother goes, you know, you got to realize other people besides Greek people in the world. Mm. So she sent me to public school. And I went to Benjamin Cardozo. And, you know, I thought I was the man. Problem is, I was going in as a sophomore. And that incoming freshman, I was skipped to my little Rafer Austin. Mm. Guess what? You don't see the court Rafer out there. Right. They had a major amount of talent, and uh, the tutelage under Niclaria was tremendous. I mean, he's, not a, he's a Hall of Famer for a reason. He's absolutely, and I, again, if you ever had one of his games, you see where I get it from. You know, yeah, well, I would say you're a junior, <laughs> you're, you're, you're maturing to get to his point. <laughs> yeah, I probably still have more technicals than he does, but uh, <laughs> absolutely. So that, and then uh, I walked on at Adelphi, tore an ACL, season was over before it started for me, but my passion never stopped. I stayed Charity-wise, I was blessed again, like I said, and uh, I worked hard. I made some good money, and I gave it back. I started coaching in the Greek League. I lived in a small little town in Seaford. I moved to Long Island. I'm originally a Queens boy. I remember my daughter was at private school, but all her friends were in public school, and uh, they had a tough time at the time, the financial crisis, not having any money. They lost middle school sports. So one year I assisted. And the second year when they came back, I'm like, I can't do this every year. I don't, my kids don't even go to public school. I started a little program called Seaford Eat. I brought my craziness and my lifestyle to the basketball, practicing five days a week, a bunch of uh, little kids, eighth grade team first. And then my son goes, well, you have an eighth grade team. What about me? I'm fifth grade. I want to play. So I started a fifth grade team. 
Eighth grade, we, like George, and we traveled to different areas of New York. It was a great experience. And then the fifth grade was like, well, we want to start playing games. So I didn't know what Island Garden was. Sign up for Island Garden Super League, and I take these kids that no one heard of, and I make it all the way to the chip in the Super League. First time. And guess who I'm playing? I'll tell you who I'm playing. Jordan Riley, Christian Daly, Makai Beckett, James Maracas, a super team of players. And my favorite Greek ref is uh, Refin. I won't use any names. And uh, I know a couple of them. <laughs> short Greek ref. Mm. I'm not going to give a name. I devised a whole game plan. I said, listen, we got to get these guys in foul trouble. We foul out their whole team. We're playing five against three. I'm up one point. I have three fouls to give. So I foul. I would look at the clock. There's one second left. They inbound the ball. Foul. It's called an intentional foul. I go to the line, hit two shots, get the ball back, game's over. I lost Super League. But what I gained from that was every single player on the other side asked if they could play with me. That's where the organization started. So mm. I said, okay. Of course, I was sponsoring a team, made everything free, and once you make everything free, here comes everybody. Went from two teams to four to five. Now we have grade six all the way up to 17U, and the only thing I don't have is a girls' team anymore. I always had one girls' team. But uh, we've grown exponentially. The girls' team, uh, we had one girls' team was really good, and as they graduated, I had no one to coach. I mean, I literally, as you know, in Island Garden, I coach every team almost. Yep, you do. So I have, now I've grown, I have volunteers, and I have one guy on payroll, and everything we do is about the kids, you know. Again, that's not taking a shot at any other program, but... Our program is free, not because I like spending money. My program is free because kids that can't afford it have a place to go. Mm. And, again, people say, oh, you have good teams. I have some real bad ones, too. But if you can't afford to play and you want to play, you have a spot. We'll make a spot for you. And the kids that can't afford, they pay a few dollars, and ergo, we have a program. I won't water it down too much, but you got to give it back in life. I'm hoping to have that one great player that, you know, appreciates it, and I hope not in basketball, but in education, and comes back around just like you see my assistant coach today, Isaiah Wilson. Yeah. I coach him at St. Dominic's, you know. He, he came back to the program. You know, that means a lot to me. I have an understudy that I helped out, and now he's giving back his time, you know. And he has the same vision I have, so we're growing slowly. And anything we could do, I don't care if it's a kid in my program or not in my program, if you have the right intentions and you're, you align with me, we're going to get along real well. Mm. All the refs may hate me, but the people that know me. Yeah, listen, we'll, we'll get into that. But I wanted to go back to that part where, you know, you felt that Seaford Heat got put on the map by that Super League game. When did you start making the transition from Seaford Heat to Heat Elite to the program that it is now? Do you think that there was like a specific moment? Yeah, it's funny because Bruno Cotamaccio, who's now assisting me, I was his assistant, turned around and goes, you know, your program was good locally. Now you're really good regionally. But if you're going to go on the national level, you got to get rid of the Seaford part, you know, mm. little townie, and go yeah. Heat Elite. So we changed the name to Heat Elite. But I think it was after winning a D1 national championship. You know, we're the only team in Long Island to ever win a D1 national championship. You know, other teams have won a D2 or a D3. But as far as D1, we were the only ones. And now I'm like, we made a little bit of a splash. Let's go even bigger. And the, the Seaford had to go at that point. I think there would have been like a nice local touch, no? You know, <laughs> the, the problem is you, you look at all the major AU programs. Yeah. And, and, again, I'm not knocking any of the program. This is my rendition, if you will. You know, 
their kids aren't local. Their kids out there that play uh, from Virginia, from New Hampshire, from Connecticut, New Jersey. That's not an AAU program. Right. That's an NBA team. Right. You know, AAU used to be about local team. It's no longer local. And I'm not taking shots at these people. I'm just pointing out that it's changed. So, yes, the local flair was there. But, again, the local flair may say, well, I don't live in Seaford. I don't want to play for you. Mm. And it wasn't the right identity because, as you know, my program has kids from all over New right, York. Right. And you didn't think about that time. You were just thinking about your daughter and yeah. the way it was going. Funny, none of my kids could play for me, though. Yeah. They hated, <laughs> they hated me. I, I don't care about the name on the back of the jersey. I used to tell them, earn your minutes. They all quit. None of my kids ever played. Wow. None of my wife always did. so ruthless. Me. Yeah. You know, like I said, earn it in life. <laughs> no silver spoons. So going, going back to that um, experience with the ref, and I, I think I know which ref it is, but I did want to ask – all this time that you've been playing, you're a walk-on, you're playing at Cardozo and just growing up in the Greek Orthodox League and now just coaching at a high level and also in the AAU circuit, what has your perception of officials been this whole time? You know, I always tell the ref, especially if I haven't threatened you by the end of the game, I'm yelling at the shirt, not the man. So, you know, listen, uh, just because you, you do something I don't agree with doesn't mean I'm right per se, but at least have the argument and be able to defend the argument. Mm. So younger refs... Like I said, I ride. I, I was just doing uh, – Lucky was running Manhattan Sports out of Next Level. And uh, I don't remember who the assigner was. We had a, a couple young refs there. So ref made a couple real bad calls. So, you know me, I'm fired up. I'm, I'm in this guy. I'm, like, so deep in him. He didn't know what to do. The other ref ran across the court and blew his whistle. I go, he's never going to learn if you do his job. Let him give me the damn tech. So my point is I may be right, I may be wrong, but I respect the shirt as long as you could say, hey, I missed it, or you're wrong because. It's like you make a lot of mistakes in whenever you're off my game. <laughs> <laughs> I make the mistake of taking your game. Yeah. But inevitably, like I said, I'm a hothead. I know that. I've had anger issues my whole life. Mm. Shoot, I was in therapy as a kid for anger issues. Yeah. I'm not embarrassed of it, and that's why I do what I do, because you just saw the team we played. There's a young man on the other team. A lot of anger issues. Yeah, He's on a scholarship over at Stony Brook for academics. I help with the tuition as... I help with a lot of kids, but he's really angry. And I see myself in him because most programs would have kicked his behind out. Mm. Now I'm looking at the kid. He has a 91 average at Stony Brook, which is a hell of a school, playing basketball. And I said, that's what I want. You know, I want to be able to tell the kid, don't be so angry. I yelled at him during the game. He's not even my player. But I want to be able to say, I'm not perfect. That perfect man died in the cross. His name wasn't Nick. But I know I'm wrong. Like I said, you know me long enough to say, Nick, you're wrong. And I'll be like, I'll apologize. Mm. I'm, I'm a man of my word. Listen, one thing I have is my word, and that's it. If I'm wrong, I'll say, guess what? I'm sorry. I'm wrong. I'll move on. And like I said, I'm yelling at the shirt. But when guys don't know the game or, you know, you run walking up the court and rolling a whistle in your mouth, like, come on, you ever see me coach a game without a suit on? I mean, no. This is the most dressed down you've ever seen. I mean, unless it's like a 90-degree day yeah. and the air conditioner's not working, then that's different. I respect the game, and I want the referees to respect it, too. You know, don't say, well, I don't call three seconds. Your job is to enforce the rules. That's all your job is, not to predict the rules or your own definition. Enforce the rules. And if I challenge you on that and you say, well, I'm wrong because of a reason, I'll say, okay. But if you're not going to defend it, you know, no different than saying, you know, like I get pulled over by a cop, I get nervous. Mm. I'm white, but I get nervous. You know, those lights are on. I'm still nervous. So the guy has a gun. So I'm like, I'm going to take it. You have a whistle. It's not a gun, but you still have a lot of power. Mm. But use the power in the right way. That's all I'm saying. You know, 
You want to tech me up? Good, tech me up. I'll always hit her up. You give me a warning first? I don't have to. Why the hell do they have the rule for? Mm. Why'd they make it? So, yeah, I'm hard on guys. But if you can get through me, damn, you can make it through anybody. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I even think about the time, you know, your, your reputation precedes itself wherever you go. And everyone would be really surprised when I'm like, he's all right. He's not that bad. But I'm so used to the fire. I'm so used to doing adult league. I'm so used to doing drunk people playing softball. <laughs> so when I do this, it's just like, well, I mean, it's only him. It's not like the rest of the team. It's not yeah. that serious. And if you just, you know, I, I think you come from a, a place of like a lot of people that we know. If you come a place of respect and I know I'm not going to back down, then you come you come to take a step to me and go like, okay, well, he's not going to back down. Now we could have a conversation. Exactly. Now it might be intense. Sure. But that doesn't mean I'm going to be disrespectful to you. And I think you feel the same way when, when you exactly. come to that I think level. I you hit it on the head. I think in life, you know, different days. You know, we're growing up. I'm a little bit older. But some of my best friends are the guys that we'd square up in the parking lot. Now we're best friends today. Listen, my relationship with Jim Fox, and I'm sure you can ask him, started off with him cursing me out. I believe he's we cursed me out, <laughs> too. We so. went back and forth. Now, listen, we get along so well. And you've also known that I've gotten into a rest where I was sitting in front of a committee. And, and I said, did you say this? And I said... No, I'll give you the perfect line. Did you threaten this ref? Did you tell him you'll take him outside and beat him up? I said, no, I didn't. I said, I'll take him outside and f*** him up. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what I said. You're not going to catch me in a lie. You want to know why? Because I won't lie. Mm-hmm. There's no reason for it. Say the truth, move on, take your licks. It is what it is. Learn from your mistakes. Mm. Man, so is there ever a world where uh, Coach Nick the Greek is going to be a referee? Never. 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 Because I'd be throwing guys like out mm. like me. I'd have thrown me out. <laughs> <laughs> right away, I'd have a short whistle. I listen. One thing that's what I respect about the good guys. There are a lot of good guys out there. Your partner today, good guy. You know, listen. I've come down on him. And you go, listen, Nick. Here's your warning. Talk to me. Don't yell at me. You got to respect that. I like guys with backbones. Mm. Nobody wants a guy to roll over. No. If I'm pushing you around as a ref. Guess what? You shouldn't be reffing. But you're doing that on purpose. You're trying to see sure if they have I a am. spine. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. If I can get away with it, I'm gonna get away with it. If I could bully you, I'm gonna bully you. And guess what? If I can't bully you, I'm going to respect you. Yeah. Because you're going to come and say, no, this is what it is. I'll challenge a call. And guess what? If you think I'm right later on, you're like, yeah, you're right. I saw you make up a couple of calls this on the other side. Yeah. Look at I know you're going to make up a call. <laughs> Nine to one. Come on. <laughs> Listen, all I'll say is that what you said earlier when you were saying how I would be that ref that I'd be on the other side trying to quell the, the other situation and trying to help the newer official. And then you would be the one to tell me, don't help him out. Don't do his job. I hate being in that position, though. Yeah. You understand that, right? Absolutely. You know, you're, you're good at being the middleman. But again, you went through it just like every good ref, every great ref. They started somewhere, like, and they worked their way up the ladder. They've taken abuse. They know the, per- the personalities of the coaches. Listen, you're in a Catholic league. You know, a lot of people take, oh, well, the referees in a Catholic. No, the referees in a Catholic know the Catholic school ref coaches. So guess what? There's, there's a line of respect. So, you know, when you're playing the Catholic League, you're like, oh, I'm not going to get a call. I don't believe that at all. But I think, think that they know the ref on the other side. Mm. They know what to expect. And they, you know, common decency. I'm going to respect this. But I'm going to give him a little leeway. You don't know the other guy on the other side. So, again, it, it takes a real good ref to be able to, I think, be neutral, if you will. It's hard. It's not easy. Like I yeah. said, it's hard. Like, how many kids do you know on the court today? Too many. Yeah. And do you really care about the outcome of the game? If anything, you're a spectator as well. All you're doing is making Listen, sure Listen, I, I always enjoy the pace in which you guys play. And I, I'm happy that they, they look a little older, too, and they've improved. You know, and that's, that's good for me because, you know, I feel like as a referee, too, 
you know, we're going to be dealing with each other for years, right? So you have to put that equity. You can't just say, oh, I, I don't like this guy because then you're just going to have a bad experience and you don't want to be in that position. But I do enjoy watching these kids grow from, you know, when they were really younger to now they're, they're more upperclassmen. Some of the best stories I get are from refs. Some of the best stories I get from refs because guess what? They're seeing the game from a different angle. They also know players. That's why I think your show is so great because not for nothing. I'm surprised you're not getting phone calls from colleges. Hey, you've ever ref this guy? Mm. What is he like on the court? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you, you have a perspective. So you also grew up with these kids. And, you know, let's be honest. You're not doing it for the money. There's, there's no money in basketball. Right. Mm-hmm. If there is, somebody better tell me. Well, if you're in the NBA uh, and you're refing, that's, that's different. Different story. But, you know, uh, chances of getting there is, you know, right. slim to none. Mm-hmm. It's like actually playing in the NBA. But I think the uh, referees today are getting better. I do think there is that referee brotherhood, which no different than a coaching brotherhood, that I don't like. I'll be honest with you. Like, how many times, like you said, uh, Nick's here. Forget about who I am. Your job is on the court. You don't have to like me. If you're doing something because you don't like me, you're taking out of the kids now. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, I don't think many guys are like that, though. I really don't. I don't think so either. I don't think so either. I'll may, may may say this. <laughs> <laughs> now, I did want to go back to a couple couple weeks ago. I'd say three weeks ago when Governor Cuomo said that high-risk sports are going to be open February 1st, and then we're taping this on February 17th. What were your thoughts when that first happened and – were you in, like, scheduling mode and just talk about your experience doing your first game finally after a year getting back to the Portage Court? Well, every school had a, a different agenda. Uh, again, new athletic director here at Portage, you know, head of school was very concerned for the safety of the kids. So every school had a, a way the risk-reward, if you will, and I'm very happy that, of course, they allowed us to play. You know, I saw, and I'll tell you who I saw it from, uh, I don't comment on social media very often. I like to stay off the grid, but I do... You know, troll, if you will. Yeah, and you watching. like to do a little Instagram lives, too, from time to time. I'm like, oh, look at this guy. Really? Spooky new. Court, court 32. I didn't even know that was us. <laughs> That's the heat of leap. I got to run it. That's somebody else that takes care of that. But I just see you scampering up and down the court like, yeah, oh, there he is. Right. Yeah, probably threatening somebody, but, you know. But uh, I feel as if what happened was great. Uh, I don't like to use politics for basketball, but I don't think it's fair what's going on today. You could live on the borderline of Queens and New York City, and we're playing. They're not. You know, and it is a brotherhood. And I can tell you what I was trolling on Twitter. I saw a quote from uh, Arbatello over at Christ the King, and he actually said, well, basketball's back, and we were all standing united. Who's going to stand up? Are you guys going to stand up for New York City? And i got to tell you, I don't think anybody has. And I don't know him. And I know of him, of course. Great coach. But... I think his comment, you know, put a little shiver on my back, and I'm somebody that wants to do something about it. Mm. So we're going to do something about it, and we're going to unite. Uh, I spoke to the powers that be that can help me do it, and, you know, when you're ready, we'll hit that top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I just, just think it's not right what's going on. Well, I'll say, you know, just aside from the political aspect of it, you know, I just think about the infrastructure here. So I do the Catholic League in the city, and I do the Catholic League in Long Island, and I'm just talking about logistically speaking. It's probably a lot easier for the Catholic League in Long Island because there's only eight teams. If you do the Catholic League in the city, it's 90 teams. And, of course, they're A, AA, and all that. But, you know, I think about the PSAL. It's the largest conglomerate of public schools of a, of a league. You know, and they have, you know, special league, they have B, A, AA. 
I mean, that's got to be a nightmare if it's already behind the eight ball. And I understand what you're saying. But here's the problem I have. And, again, I don't know which school did it first. And I don't really – I thought it was a great idea. But you're not in school in New York City. You know, someone said, well, if you're not in school, you can't play basketball. I think if you're not in school, you should play basketball. In other words, those kids are going to be around each other at all times. Again, I guess you need the honor roll system, but kids shouldn't be in school if they're playing basketball, in my opinion. At Portland, we're in school. I'd rather the kids do remote learning, shorten a season. You go to practice, you go to games, you go back home. Season's over, you test, now you can go back to school. I mean, listen, if it was good enough for us to stay home for a year and a half and take school, what's the difference if it's another month? And I think that's an excuse. I think the infrastructures are there. I think, I think a lot of the, the coaches, I think the administrations – and I think whoever runs the league, and no need to call out names, I think they have the best intentions, but nobody knows what the right thing to do is. And there is no right and wrong. You know, if someone passes away, you got to live with that. So I'm never going to judge anybody, but it's my opinion that the league should go. If it's good for Long Island, it's good enough for New York City. You know what? Maybe Bronx, Manhattan plays each other. Brooklyn, Queens, change it. We have what? I don't know what the exact thing we are doing here like the Catholic League is different from the public school, but they gave them something, something to hang their hat on. You know, I, like I said, I'm not playing the political game, but do we have any less cases in other states? Not really. We really don't. They're playing. You know, it's about the kids. Well, are we not worried about the kids in other states? Again, I guess it's guidance from the top down. And, again, I don't care if you're a politician with a D or an R. Inevitably, we all care about the kids. So. Mm. I just don't think it's fair for New York City at all. Well, we got something cooking, and I, I want to mention that at the end so everyone can understand. But, you know, another thing that was completely linked to you know, Island Garden and, of course, the city is Tom Kanchowski, somebody that has been deeply respected by everyone. He was one of the greatest basketball minds. I mean, if you ever got a chance to talk with him, I mean, you, had to, you had to really sit down because he was going to be encyclopedic with the things that he knew, especially like, oh, he's like, well, 1940. Like, yep. wow, like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to know about that. But um, you know, talk about just your, your fit, fondest memories of him and, and any interaction that you had with him. Well, believe it or not, he could tell you my stat line in high school, and I didn't play that much. So, Dan, well, he, it was scary that he could remember a nobody like me. That's number one. But I got to know him very, very well because of my assistant coach, Jim Gatto, senior, who, of course, a Hall of Famer, and they were very close very, very close. So anytime we'd have something, you'd go, hey, Tom, you'd bring him down, you know, you'd meet the kids. You'd see him at every AAU tournament. Uh, no matter where you go, you'd see him with Adam Zagoria, you know, driving him around. The man had an impact on everybody. And the reason I think he had an impact, because he listened and spoke few words. The man wouldn't say, oh, he's good, he's great. Never came out of his mouth. He watched a game. He observed, you know, the famous handshake, towering over the average person, standing all the way up in the bleachers, looking down. He wouldn't even know he's there. But, man, we lost a great one. We lost a great one. Nicest guy in the world, and he knew everybody. I don't think anybody gets anything bad about him. No. No. That's just, it's scary. Yeah. I just, I just was always confused, like when when I when he was on the he was on the podcast like super early, like maybe like three or four months, and I was just like so excited. So I'm like, all right, so when can I call you? And he's like, 
make sure you call me between 10 and 10 15 if it's 10 16 i'll already be out and i was like what about your cell phone he's like i don't no do i don't do cell phone and he doesn't drive so no. even when i did meet him for the podcast i had to meet him at a park near his house and i had to meet him in front of a movie theater and if I wasn't there at that time, he was like, I'm just going to move on with my, my day. Yeah, and it's funny because I caught up with the Coach DeClario uh, recently, and he was telling me some stories. It's funny, like, you know, hate to call them old-timers, but the guys who've been around the game a long time, if you sit them down in a room and they just tell you one or two stories, your jaw drops, just listening to the memories and the knowledge. It's amazing. It's amazing. And I hope someday to be able to say that I sat with some of the greats because we do have present-day greats. McClare has been around, like I said, he, when I was a kid, and he's still going. You know, I don't know what they're waiting for to get us behind in the Hall of Fame, but uh, inevitably, I think that uh, there's a lot of great coaches out there, and there's a lot of great people out there, and if we could all just, we can hate each other when we're coaching against each other, and hate's a strong word, I shouldn't even use that, but outside of the court, we all respect each other, and I think we all have the same dream of helping kids and doing the right thing by them. So I think like I said, I think that the memory of Tom and the memory of JoJo is going to be remembered in what we're going to be doing going forward. I hope that all schools do something in their names to remember them. Yeah, well, let's get into it. So, you know, I, I, think, I find it an interesting time that somebody that's so deep in the game, so long in the game that had such a deep impact, and then somebody so short in the game had a similar impact just in the way emotionally how people feel about them of, you know, making an imprint on people's lives, all right? So if, if time gave you the blessing, right, if he gave you the handshake after an AAU game or a, or a high school game, you're like, wow, I, I feel like I arrived. <laughs> and then on top, like, just reffing JoJo. I was like, man, this, this kid this kid has to be a senior. It, he has to be. And, and to find out that he was in eighth grade when I reffed him, I mean, you could just see the way he would hold his arm around somebody that was older than him. But you could tell, like, he, was, like, he was the leader. And, yeah. and it, it just was an interesting time. And, you know, just even hitting that with the coronavirus and all these tragedies because I feel like this whole year has been just a normalized tragedy, right? Every day has been something new. Like I think about the Texas and the outages of them not even having the infrastructure to understand what 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 type of heat they all need. I mean, they probably all cranked the heat like, wow, I've, they've never had that type of thing, right? So, you know, just having the inequality of, you know, having basketball in Long Island and not having it in the city – what planted the seed for what you're going to do, and what are you going to do about it? Well, you know, like I said, I watch what people say and, you know, who's helping the kids, and, you know, Real Skills likes to say that a lot. And I actually like that line, who's helping the kids. And you think about it. I say, I've been saying I'm blessed, I'm blessed. Well, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. I sat down with Jim Fox, and I said, we got to do something. And he goes, well, what can we do? And I said, well, you can play in the NBA, you can play in other states, I have a maintenance company that knows how to take care of the COVID, you know, in large, large places to keep everybody safe. We know we're allowed to play in Long Island. And these kids, let's be honest, aren't being recognized with the new NCAA rules. I said, why don't we do our own March Madness event? Said, what do you mean? I said, we invite every school in the state of New York to play at Island Garden. As many teams as we can get. Three courts. Two teams face off, they finish, they leave. You lose the first round, you have a consolation round because we want everybody to play. God forbid, you know, you get pulled Lujai if they were going to play or you pull a Cordoza High School and you're a small school, you get your buck tick, you're done. So I said, you know what, we're going to invite every school. 
We're going to rent out Island Garden. It's going to be f- completely free. We're going to do it in memory of a great player and one of the great sports figures in New York and Tom Kachowski. We're going to get all the referees from Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to hold the March Madness tournament free for everybody. Now, to get around the political view of it all, and again, I'm not looking to point at this person or that person. We're going to use pseudonyms. We're going to ask you go to school A. You get 10 people from school A. You show up at Island Garden under a pseudonym. Every kid will be registered via AAU. This way they're insured. You're going to play under that umbrella. You're going to play another school. And we're going to have our own Tournament of Champions March Madness Tournament. Jim Fox is reaching out to all his college connections. We have over 145 colleges promising to watch the live stream. We're going to have MVP awards, MOP awards, trophies. We're going to have shirts for everybody. And Jim Fox and I are partnering up. So it's Island Garden and Jim Fox and Coach Nick of Heat Elite. And we're going to give back to the community. And it's not Long Island. It's free for everybody, especially New York City. I'd like to see every school represented, not in a basketball capacity, but as far as students. We're going to minimize the amount of people that could be at the event. We're going to have strict COVID-19 guidelines, uh, practicing social distancing, so a minimum amount of people in. Every knowing person in basketball, whether it be you know, a newer one like an exposure hoops, a Dave's joint, the Long Island basketball, Ted Thomas, you name them, uh, you know, prep hoops, New York City hoops, which is one of the best. You know, we're going to invite them all down there. We're going to live stream games to everybody for free. And the best part of it all is we're bringing the community together and we're going to do it safely. And I think we're giving an example to New York City on how you can do it going forward. Because just recently our president has said, hey, uh, we may not have normalcy until Christmas of next year. That could affect basketball. But if one of the top basketball figures in New York and Jim Fox, who runs AAU and, to be honest, the top tournaments, if we could get together and show New York City the proper way to do it, to keep everybody safe, maybe we circumvent next year now. And again, this isn't about anybody making money because no money will be made. A lot of money will be lost. But this is about helping that senior in high school maybe get seen by a college. Or, you know, hey, uh, I just saw Massapequa, Uniondale, Brentwood. I just saw them play Lehigh, Portledge. What about the famous schools in New York? Mm-hmm. South Shore, Cortoza High School, Christ the King, you know, the storied schools. They're not playing. L- let's help them. Because guess what? The more success they have, the more success we have. You know, you get a kid like Jordan Riley, you know, Georgetown, man, everybody knows the family. That's, everybody says, oh, I know him. Zed Key, Andre Corabello. Who doesn't turn on the TV and see him playing? Ranked number four and number five in the nation. That's right. Making Long Island proud. Exactly. So, you know, how many of the New York City kids did it before them? And it's time that we give back to the guys who gave to us. So, you know, I want to bond everybody together. I'd like every coach to participate. You know, I get it. There's politics involved, but it's not about you. It's not about that politician. It's not about a Democrat, Republican, a mayor, or a governor. It's about that kid that just wants to live his dream. And if we could do something to help him, don't fight it. Help him. Help him. I think that was such an ingenious idea of, you know, the way you crystallize in your head of saying, like, well, they have a need 
and we can provide it and figure out the infrastructure with the resources that you already have. Was this an idea that was kind of brewing in your head subconsciously and then you just finally came to it? Or do you think this was kind of building and you because you seem like a problem solver. You're always trying to figure out a way not to gain the system, but more so just go like take advantage of what you can control and do something about it. Make a positive out of a negative. I am not a rich man. A lot of people think, oh, Nick has money. Nick is broke. Right? Nick works hard. That's what I do. I work really hard. And for those who know me, I give all my money back. I'm not dying rich in money. I'm letting you know, everybody know that. I'm going to die rich in love. But I was sitting at Island Garden, and, and Arbitello's statement's still in my head. Like, are, you, are we all going to stick together? I'm looking at him saying, no. Anybody hear anything about New York City? Anything? You know? Well, Uniondale just played. You know, I was so happy that they played because they canceled it. Right. And they came back and they played. I was so happy about that. You know, and then I'm looking and hey, kids that play for my AU program, you know, Kawar, you know, 6'8", Malloy, coach, you know, uh, who's going to see me? You know, it's hard. I'm saying, damn, this stinks. It stinks. So I said, I'm sitting in Island Garden, I'm looking around. You see Jim Fox Jr., former D1 coach at Appalachia, you know, assistant at Davidson, and I'm watching him coach. I'm like, let me grab your ear real quick. Came to my head, I go, why don't we run a match March, March Madness tournament? You guys have the facility. I'll pay for everything. Let's, just, let's do it. And he goes, you serious? I go, he goes, I think it's a good idea. I'm going to run it by Pops. Exactly. Five minutes later, Jim Fox Sr. said, let's do it. I mean, no second thought. Mind you, I have a job. I make my livelihood working. Basketball is their job. So for them to just say, let's do it. Just think about the capital loss. Yeah. They make money on that court. They're not making money. They're doing this for kids. These are people that, what are you gaining? Oh, this, there's got to be a gimmick. Someone tell me what the gimmick is because referees got to get paid. Island Garden's giving up the courts. We're going to process kids in a little early. They're the only facility that could do it. Boys locker room, girls locker room, upstairs, 30 minutes early. Three games go on. We shuffle everybody out. Electrostatic cleaning. In between games, they come downstairs, they get on, next three teams go into waiting rooms, live streaming, you know. It's, it's just the feeling of having everybody back in their gym because I don't care who you are. You know, if you play basketball and you travel, high school, AAU, but if you travel, I don't know every coach, but I'll walk into a gym and I'll recognize him. We're giving the nod, like, hey, what's up, coach? You know, we know each other. It's camaraderie. And the kids get that through sport, too. And why not give it back to that kid? Like, hey, listen, I want to play against the best. Like, I've been blessed. I'm playing Luai twice this year. Mm. I really don't want to play Luai twice. No, I want to. <laughs> I'm playing Luai twice. I'm really excited. Yeah. I'm not Luai, but guess what? He's blessed me and given me an opportunity to play. Why do I want to play them? Because they have to, they're, they're nationally ranked. Colleges look at them. And then I say to myself, that kid in the city, you know, besides you know, a couple of All-Americans, you know, what about that kid that nobody knows about? You know, the kid who wants a dream. Everybody's reclassing. Everybody's going out of state. I hate that. I get it. You know, there's a, there's, there's a purpose for everything, but you're going to sit back a year to play a game, to hope to go to school and play a game again? I tell my kids in my program, we're using basketball to get an education, not the other way around. So I want to help these kids use basketball, join this event, it's, in a, it's for a great cause. The brackets are going to be named after 
you know, JoJo, Tom Kachowski, you know, Kobe and his daughter. Those are the brackets. There's no gold or silver, you know, 16 teams in each bracket. There's 64. And I expect to fill every 64th spot. I know we have a little bit of an issue because some schools are still going to be playing. Long Island Catholic schools. Which you just found out while we were speaking off air. Exactly, you know. I get it. But guess what? They're already blessed. They're playing. Yeah, yeah. I'm not really worried about them. I'm not looking to knock them. But I'm worried about the Catholic schools that aren't playing and the kids that aren't playing. So if we could all band together and do the right thing, we could make this a special event. And guess what? High school's normally over by now. AEU doesn't start until April. Maybe we just started something that we could do every year. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And if we do this every year... Listen, New York used to be the model of COVID. Or this is how we stop it. But maybe we could be the model for basketball now. Mm. Maybe it becomes a bigger thing in the future where every state does it. Imagine that now 50 states. Top 50 teams now we got. Make it even a bigger thing. You're thinking. I'm not thinking about tomorrow. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm a 10-stepper. But I, I want to get this off the ground. I want it to be successful. And I have no axe to grind, no money to make. But like I said, if I could do something to put a smile on a kid's face and you know, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, I want to look back and be like, I remember that kid. He just wanted to play ball, mm. you know? Maybe it helps him. Yeah. And everybody knows somebody. You know, there are a couple more figures, like Coach Leclerc has been great. He's like, I'm, I'll do anything you need. You know, Jim Fox has been great. Even, uh, you know, Buck being a headmaster of a school, I said, listen, I like your view as a head of school, not just as a coach, but you're also a head of school. So you know the politics of school. Because... I get it. Schools are like, hey, what do you mean this is a high school tournament? We're not allowed to play. It's not a high school tournament. Mm. It's 10 kids that so happen to go to a high school. We're going to get insurance, shirts, promote these kids. And like I said, if we really believe kids are our future, well, let's help them get a future. Let's help them make it to the next level. Yeah. Listen, I got to make a decision. I don't know if I want a ref or be the media. I think I'm going to do the media and, and try to do all those in-game interviews. I, I think this is going to be something special, something that I really believe in. And you know, I'm honored to be a part of it with you and Jim. Uh, just the fact that you're bringing all of us together because I didn't have my Catholic League season too. So you know, I think about the referees too of how many people have just been just in a daze and a fog. And you know, all of us city referees, we don't know what the next step is. So for me to have the ability to you know give them some hope and give yeah. them some semblance of refing those types of games, man, I'm I'm honored to be a part of it. Oh, I'm hoping you're running the referee station as well, you know, because, again. Uh, I'm at refing myself. I'm probably not going to ref myself. <laughs> you know me. I don't want to pick any refs. Like, oh, <laughs> listen, all I'm doing is helping get the event off the ground. Uh, I believe this has to be a team effort. Like I said, I really appreciate you coming on board. We're getting videographers. So every game is going to have someone recording. There's going to be a highlight. Imagine, you know, listen, March Madness is a highlight we're going to be putting everything on Instagram. It's going to be a, a big to-do. And if anybody wants to volunteer or anybody want to help, feel free to reach out and uh, let me know or let Jim Fox know. Uh, we or let me know, too. Yeah, Ralph, yeah, yeah. we have uh, Lucky from Manhattan Sports. He's going to be a large part of it. Uh, we're looking for volunteers. More importantly, I'm looking for the kids. And guess what? I want to let all the athletes out there, the student athletes out there know, hey, my school won't let us do it. This isn't your school event. You get 10 bodies from your school, and if you struggle, oh, we can't get uniforms. You call me. I'll make it happen. I want everybody represented. It's for everybody. Mm. 
So. It's, it's going to be great, man. Um, so inspiring just hearing that you have the ability and the capacity and the, the willpower to do something like that. Not everyone would take that type of undertaking, but, you know, I'm united in that front that I like to have insurmountable challenges and be the one that, that does it because not everyone has that. Like, that's, that to me is the memory of JoJo. Yeah. Putting everybody on their back and like, yeah. let, let's do it. And if I fail, you're going to fail with me. But, hey, at least I tried, right? And that's the, that's the name of the game, at least in this moment. Exactly. So you have a kid like Joe. Then you have Tom Kachowski, who normally would be at this event, writing in his report. But that's what we're going to do. I'm going to go out there and get all these people that want to be the next Tom Kachowski. Those are huge shoes to fill. I don't think anybody ever will. But guess what? If you want to fill his shoes, be there. Be there for the kids. Step into that gym. You're going to say, hey, coach, I'm from here. I write for this, you know, whether it be Instagram, online, prep hoops, NYC hoops. Be there. Put a little gist of, uh, of your own on this story. You know, put a little write-up on each kid. Wow, we haven't seen this kid play since last year. He hasn't missed a beat. You know, that means a lot to a kid today. You know, a kid's name in print. My name was never in print. Hopefully in a good and a bad way. <laughs> yeah, well, now you're going to be on a podcast. You're going to be worldwide. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> after everything you said, what do you think of the attributes? What do you think it took to get to where you are at this moment in time as a basketball coach? You know, I never thought I, – I, I was always a middle-class kid. Mom was a school teacher. Dad was a supermarket manager. Everything I have today, I earned. I worked for it. You know, when my town lost sports, I've always loved the game. I was playing up to my mid-30s. Uh, I said, I, I, I enjoy it. And people look at me and say, what do you mean you enjoy it? You, you're yelling, you're screaming, you get ejected out of games, you're threatening people. I'm blessed. I'm blessed to be able to do this. And I'm blessed to, to have the finances to do it and the people that are willing to step up to the plate and say, hey, I want to help you. As an as investment banker, someone who manages money, uh, I don't pay for my program. My clients support my program. I reach out to people and say, hey, listen, you know, I run a program. It's a non-for-profit. You know, you've done well with me in the stock market. Write a check. And I bust their chops, believe me. I have doctors, lawyers. I have publicly traded people who uh, run publicly traded companies. And they support my program. And they know where my money goes. I put my money where my mouth is. I back it up right alongside of them. So, you know, we travel. We do what we need to do. And no kid left behind, like back in the Reagan days, they say, you know. But, uh... I don't want to leave a kid behind in basketball. Some kids, this is all they have. And you see that, those kids at Island Garden. You see those kids that, you know, they're not good. But guess what? They're at Island Garden putting up shots. They're in the park putting up shots. And as a coach, to be able to walk up to a kid and say, hey, you've really improved. Man, appreciation goes a long way. When somebody says that to a kid, you should just look at their eyes. Now, if you're a kid that, you know, and I have some of them, they're good. You know, they know they're good. They don't care to hear it. But the kid that does need to hear it, when he does hear it, that smile on their face, that's what it's all about for me. That one smile, that, that you look in their eyes, you're like, wow. He said I was good. And I'm nobody. I'm, I'm literally yeah, nobody. I disagree. I'm the ninth man on a 10-man totem pole. Well, you know, no. So at the end of the day, it's about bonding and coming together as coaches. Like I said, we battle on the court, but I want every coach to step up. I don't want to hear an excuse. Well, the school, it's not about the school. And even your school will support you. What school doesn't want to help their kid? What, who is in education? Who teaches and says, I want the kid to fail? Nobody does. Nobody does. No, nobody does. What do you think it's going to take to get to where you want to go? And ultimately, where do you want to go as a coach? I'm interested to hear this because you've had so many <laughs> twists and turns. You know, in the past, I've, 
I've had a couple of phone calls that if I want to move up to another level, and uh, I had an opportunity about a year and a half ago. I'll leave the names out. And I turned it down. And I turned it down because i got to give up my program. Can't have a program. Can't be a college coach and have a program. You're not ready for that, or are you... No, it's not that, well... At that my, time, you're my, not ready for at that. At that time, I wasn't ready. And to be honest, I just like everything in my life, I got to start at the bottom. Anybody who says, oh, yeah, I'm going to go coach D1. I'm never coaching D1. Guess what? I'm too old, and I'm not good enough. I'm, I want to help kids. So once my program, and it's there now, I have the infrastructure, is self-sustained. Uh, I plan on uh, I'm building my house now in Florida. I'll be flying back and forth. You know, I... Love to fly. Yeah, I just heard your wife. You were like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be out of here. I'm like, no, you're not. You're just going to be flying back and <laughs> My forth. Wife, I'll be flying back and forth, believe me. And uh, I fly back and forth. I'm never going to stop coaching basketball. But when I do make that move a year from now, two years, whenever, it, if it happens, like I said, could it be an empty house? I'd like to try to step up and see, you know, I've, I've succeeded at my level. And I'm not bragging by any means. I've lost in a state championship. But every year I've been in a, in a I made it to the States every year. I've always had success in coaching. And I'll tell you what, I'll give you a quick one here. My favorite coaching job, I was a JV coach at St. Mary's. And it probably was the worst team I ever coached in my life. They won one game the year before. And we were one game shy of making the playoffs that year coaching. Lloyd gave me a chance to uh, join his program. And I was only there for a year. Storied program, St. Mary's. And then I got a call from Portlage to come aboard. So, but the best, the best coaching is when you don't have talent and you can win. Yeah. Because that brings out, you know, listen, no offense. Uh, right now, I'm, I'm, I'm not good. I have great players. I don't have to do much. You, you, you ref the game today. Not much I really got to do. And I've ref them many times over. And, and they've been with me for so many damn years yeah. that. I'm like, are you sure they're not in college yet? Like, that's <laughs> right. how I always feel. So now it's like, I, I almost rather have. A restart. Mm. Give me the kids. Give me a challenge. I love a challenge. You know what? You know, I tell people all the time, well, you work. Yeah. You know why I, I spend all my money? Because it makes me have to work to make more money. Mm. Give myself a challenge. Mm. That's why I love this challenge of March Madness, Battle of Champions, and members of two great people. And I'm, uh, I'm blessed to have a guy like you helping out with it and Jim Fox. And uh, let's see if we can get more people. Uh, out there to help us do this. Yeah, yeah. Like two more questions for you before I let you. I know you have practice coming up. If you can, out of all of the crazy situations that you've been in, what do you think is the most sticky situation that you've ever had as a basketball coach? Ooh, Without litigation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a tough one. I've been in so much trouble everywhere. I mean, from being banned from threatening referees to uh, playing in the national championship and Ray Allen's team brought the wrong jerseys and they asked me to switch and I said no <laughs> sorry you know, the rules are the rules wow there's, there's just too many twists and turbulations but probably I'll tell you what the the scariest moment was when I thought that I was going to lose my best player at Portage or one thing I've learned as a coach and I've learned it from Jim Gatto and Bruno Catamacho they all say they're all going to break your heart I've had some major talent come through my program and I always tell people I didn't do anything kid did it all he's the one who puts the ball in the hoop he's the one who you know makes the winning shot but I would say probably the toughest time was when I thought I was losing my best player I don't give a name up but uh it, it almost broke my heart 
I'll be honest with you, it, it really did. And, and I was told they're all going to break your heart. It didn't happen. Inevitably, you know what? You felt they're breaking, though, in the moment. Absolutely. You know, you put a lot into these kids. I really do. I mean, blood, sweat, and tears. It's not just, see, people just think, oh, coaching is coaching. No. You know, some of these kids, I bought them their first pair of expensive sneakers, their first suit, and I helped with the tuition. You know, they become part of your family. Some have lived with me for years, not for a month. Some have stolen money from me, literally stolen money from me. You know, banged out credit cards, like craziness. And and just to let you know, Nick will find out. I will. He I will find I will, out. I will. I will. <laughs> and you know what the penalty is? You're out of my life. That's it. I'm never going to, I won't talk bad about a kid. Shit, I've made many mistakes. Oh, my God. Too many to count. And if people held it against me, who the hell knows where I'd be? Mm. So I always believe in, you know, turn the other cheek, forgive once. Second time, eh, not so easy. But yeah. the first time I forgive. But too many troubles. In basketball, oh, my God. Yeah. Way too many. I think the battle of champions, uh, battle of champions with Tom Konchowski and Joe Monty Wright, the memory of that, I think that will probably, you know, be the start of, your best moment, because I really think that will be your best moment. But if you can pinpoint something that has already happened, what do you think is your best moment thus far as a basketball coach? Uh, winning the AAU D1 National Championship against Ray Allen Select when my boys were in eighth grade. That was a moment. I don't think I'll ever forget it. I couldn't believe it. A lot of, a lot of calls. Well, I, I don't think you know what you accomplished. I didn't think it was anything big. But that was a, a big moment. And... Coming here to Portland, I got to tell you, uh, I've been lucky. You know, uh, it's see, people just think, oh, you're a varsity coach. Anybody could be a varsity coach. But being blessed to be part of a school that this school literally wants to help kids. You know, this school has a vision, 100% graduation rate. And if they can help a child, they help a child. They help my program. I'm blessed. I, I work out in this gym for free. You know, that's a big that's do. a that's a big deal. You can't have a program without a gym. Yeah. So that's another big moment. Getting the job here at Portledge is is major for me, and uh, I'll never forget it uh, to this day. And there are a lot of schools because of that. The connections, Stony Brook, I played today. You know, they've helped with kids and getting them into these schools, and the connection in the Catholic League. So that being said, uh, it's making connections, meeting the right people, and and having a shared vision. Yeah, listen, I think you're a master networker. You know, I th- thank you for your time. Any final words you want to say before we part ways? Listen, uh, I tell this to all my athletes. Remember, use basketball to get an education, not the other way around. And uh, make sure you always kiss your mom and dad every night. Because you know what? I'll be honest with you. This young man losing him, it hurt. It hurt bad. And I can tell you, every AU tournament, mom and dad would be in tow. That boy knew he was loved. And... That's why I say to you guys, know that your, let your parents know how much you care, that they take you to these events, that they're there for you, because you don't know when your last day is. Mm. That's, that's real, man. And to me, I, at least I survived another day, uh, reffing a game. <laughs> for now. And it was coaching. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But appreciate you, man. Thank you, Look, man. Looking forward to making history with you in a, in a couple, of, couple of weeks. Nick Sakitas, Portledge, Ralph the Ref. This is The Rant. We are signing out. Peace.